Hi, I'm Carl Payton, pastor of Transformation Church RVA. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for checking out this sermon. I also wanted to bring to your attention something that is close to our hearts here. While our team has prayed that this message would stir within you a desire to know more about Jesus and be more like Him, our desire is that it would only be supplemental to your faith journey and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Good morning, Transformation Church, our online family, visitors, moms, what's up? Happy Mother's Day to you. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't be here. Um, And literally everyone can say that. Uh, Some of our moms today uh, are with us and interacting with us. Uh, I can think of my mom, uh, raised four of us all by herself and, um, you know, for the majority. And then, um, you know, my mother-in-law who helps us out so much with the kids. You know, I'm just so thankful for the moms in our lives and Uh, So I also want to speak to those who have maybe not the greatest mom relationships. Uh, I see you, and and I've heard your stories, um, and probably some of the harder places. This is somebody's first Mother's Day without mom. This is uh, maybe somebody's fifth Mother's Day without mom, and it just hasn't gotten easier. So I I just want you to know we're thinking about you here at Transformation Church. Um, We're excited to celebrate moms Uh, We're excited to, uh, I hope if you registered your mom that that gift got to you and that's just our our blessing to you um, and and our thankfulness for your influence on our lives, your caringness. And so I hope today is a day that you can rest and be pampered and loved on by those around you. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, Today marks our last week in the series, it's complicated. And if I'm just being completely honest with you, today's message uh, was completely different um, earlier today. Earlier today, I had a sermon that I had written notes for and studied for for a very long time. And God, a couple weeks ago, planted a seed in my heart. And I didn't know what it was for until today. And so... Um, just to kind of tell you where we've been, this is the last week of It's Complicated, a relationship series, and we've talked about complicated relationships. The first week, relationships with our family, relationships at home, how nasty those can be and how God can, um, we can serve our families if we're serving the Lord. That's, that's kind of the cure for that. Um, not cure, but it helps. Um, then week number two, we talked about relationship with friends and how important community is. And last week, week number three, we talked about the complicated nature of our relationships in church. And all, some of us have been wounded by the church, but today um, I hope that your heart is encouraged from last week's message, that the answer to church division and church rub and church hurt is unity around the right things, unity unity around the cross of Christ. 
And today's message is about our relationship with God. And all of us, at some point, will have to reconcile um, our relationship with God. Some of us that are watching don't believe there is one. Some of us uh, watching have, uh, don't understand why God would allow certain things. And some of us um, have relationships with God and maybe we're raised in church, but maybe um, there are still some doubts there. And that kind of lands me in the scripture for today. And so if you'll turn in your Bible, on your phone, in person, uh, to uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to kind of read you the story and then we'll kind of backtrack and I'll paint the picture. We'll read the text first and just let it pour over your hearts. And um, we'll do that together now. So Mark chapter 9, that's the big number, uh, verses 14 through 29. The verses are the smaller numbers. So here we go. Join with me. When they came to the disciples, they uh, saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw them, they were amazed and ran to greet him. He asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, them being the disciples, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and he rolled around foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. Other versions say to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can, question mark, highlight that, if you can, everything is possible, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the boy cried out. Now listen, if you highlight in your Bibles, I want you to highlight, underline, asterisk next to this, next to this verse. Immediately the father of the boy cried out. I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, the demon, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out, shrieking and throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a a corpse, so that many said, he's dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. 
And after he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, this kind can come out by by nothing but prayer. So let me paint the picture very quickly of what's happening here. Right before this text, uh, Jesus, Peter, James, and John had just uh, gone up on this mountain and experienced what the Bible calls the transfiguration, which um, when they went up on this mountain, Moses and Elijah showed up, the glory of God showed up. And so really, this story kind of gives us some pretty stark contrast. Um, up on the mountain, you have the, uh, a son in whom God was well pleased. And in this story, we have this son who is uh, debilitated and demon-possessed and convulsing. Up on the mountain, you have the glory of God. This mount, really a mountaintop experience. For Peter, James, and John. And down here, when they come down, you have this picture of um, uh, high emotions and stress. Um, And so they had gone up on this mountain, had this glory experience, and then they came down, which is where we find the story beginning. Jesus, Peter, James, and John come down to the bottom of this mountain in verse 14, and uh, the Bible tells us that the disciples were going at it with some scribes. Now, the scribes represented a religious group, uh, kind of a holier-than-thou group, lived by the letter of the law group, and the disciples, they were having this discussion. Now, we don't know what the discussion, what the argument was about, but I have to think it was about um, what they were unable to do here. Uh, This father, the whole crowd saw Jesus come down in verse 15, and the Bible says they were amazed. This was a very strong term. They were amazed. They were uh, awestruck. And ran to greet Jesus. So this whole crowd, the scribes, the disciples, everybody comes to the bottom of the mountain. Jesus sees what's going on and he asks a question. What are you arguing with them about? Now, I'm blown away by what doesn't happen. You know who doesn't answer the question? Jesus, the creator of the universe, uh, the miracle working savior has asked a question. Um, And the scribes say nothing. They're silent. I anticipated the disciples would answer his question, but no, the disciples remain silent. Now, maybe the scribes were silent because they've had some uh, altercations with Jesus before where Jesus owned them in arguments and they just didn't want to get into it with them. Um, that may have been why. I don't know. The disciples, I think it's very simple why they didn't answer. They were embarrassed. They were... Um, And we find out later they were approached to cast demons out of this boy and they couldn't do it. Um, So this is the picture. Jesus asked this question. Well, somebody in the crowd shouts out and says, um, the crowd shouted out, teacher, um, I brought you my son. So this 
uh, man shouts out from the crowd. And it happens to be the father. He's in agony and he says, my son has been having these seizures. His teeth are grinding. Um, This spirit is in him and has taken control of his body. Um, In verse 17 and 18, kind of describe that. And he kind of turns to his disciples. And so the the picture is so different from the mountaintop. So I don't know uh, who's listening today, but I can tell you, uh, your Christian walk is going to have all types of ups and downs. Like you're going to have your transfiguration glory type moments where God is just so prominent and real to you. Um, But then there are also kind of base of the mountain valley uh, encounters where it seems like there's, there's anger. So you have a, a, an eager crowd. You have a father who's now at the feet of Jesus shouting because of all this arguing and commotion going on. You have uh, the church is arguing with one another. This father is in need and this boy is laid out convulsing in front of them. And Jesus is angry. In fact, he's so angry, he says, you unbelieving generation, how long am I going to have to put up with you? When we talk about complicated relationships with God, I think this is kind of a picture of it many times. Um, You're trying and trying and trying. Now, something important to note here, you can also find this story in Matthew 17. You can find it in Luke 9. Um, But one thing is for sure, these disciples... Jesus had sent them out previously two by two, and they had cast out many demons in the past. But here they find themselves, they have tried to cast out this demon and they could not. And I think there are many of you today who have maybe tried to have a relationship with God, and maybe it didn't work out the way you tried church for a couple weeks, or... um, you, you tried praying for a while and nothing happened and, and so you just gave up on it. Or um, maybe you've seen God work. You've seen Him do it before and you don't understand why He isn't doing it now. Um, here's what I can assure you. No matter what season you're walking through, whether it's you're casting out demons or you're staring in the face of a challenge that you can't seem to overcome, whatever the station, whatever the moment, what God is after is your attention and for us to point glory and honor to him. God will receive glory out of all of it. And that's what he's after in every situation. So he says, you unbelieving generation in verse 19, how long um, must I put up with you? And then you can almost hear the angst uh, in Jesus's voice, the anger. He says, bring him to me. So, and, and this is, it's almost like a Western scene. I picture uh, Jesus, not in a goofy Western scene, but in like a high tense portion of the movie. Jesus is there. They bring this boy to the forefront. And the Bible says in verse 20, when the spirit saw him. So it's this picture of this boy and his eyes locking eyes with Jesus and it's at that moment that this spirit tries for all its work to kill this boy and I believe that that the the that Satan was after 
his death the whole time was after killing this boy. Immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He's having a grand mal seizure here, rolling around, foaming at the mouth. And so in all the complicatedness, you have this father who's been dealing with this for a long time. We're about to find out. Um, we church people going at it, disciples confused why they're, it's not working like it used to work. I think that could probably speak to many of our relationships with God in some way. This next question blows me out of the water. In verse 21, how long, Jesus asked his father, this, this young boy's father, how long has this been happening to him? I don't think I can overplay the emotion of the scene. I don't think I can overstate the hurt that is being felt in the crowd, the, the confusion amongst the disciples, the anger in Jesus. And here's this boy debilitated in front of Jesus. And he looks at the father and he says, how long has he been like this? Now, did he ask that question because he needed to know? No, of course not. He, he already knew. He, Jesus, God, created this young man. He knew him intimately. He's all-knowing. So he didn't need to know the information. He knew the information. He already knew that. Was it uh, because there was a statute of limitations? Was it, there was, is there a limit to how, how long, you know, has he been sick too long for Jesus to work? No, no, Jesus' power is timeless. Why did Jesus ask? Was the question plaguing my heart. Why would he ask that? And the only thing that the Holy Spirit would speak to my heart was the compassion Jesus has for those who are looking to have a relationship with him, who are looking to, who have need of him. And, and Jesus looks at this father with compassion in his eyes and he, and he says, how long? Has he been like this? To give that father the moment he needed to unload. To unload what was on his heart. And, and that's what the father does next. He says, from childhood. Picture this. This father is chasing after this boy from childhood. The father says in 22, And many times this demon has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. In some verses it says to kill him. Can you imagine being that parent? He gives the father the, the moment he needs. Why? Because Jesus really cares. Jesus really cares. Maybe you need to tell yourself, poke yourself in the chest, raise your hand, wave it in the air, whatever you're, you need to do. But understand today, Jesus knows you intimately. He knows what you're walking through. He has all the information. He genuinely cares to hear from you. And the father kind of throws out this next phrase and he says, but if you can do anything, you see that? You can almost hear that unbelief sneaking in, that doubt. But if you can, have compassion on us. 
and help us. Is there a question whether Jesus is going to have compassion? No. Jesus has already called the boy up front. Jesus is already starting to address his need. He's already engaging with this man at the the heart level. But even at that, this man who obviously brought him to Jesus because he had heard of, of the demons being cast out previously. He, he knew all this. He knew Jesus uh, could, but he says it right here. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see this word help in the Greek um, very rarely. It's kind of a special word that gives us this picture of running, sprinting to assist, to help, to provide aid. But if you would just have compassion on us and help us. I can't tell you how many times I've been in that place. Jesus, where are you at? But if you could just try and do something. I've known you my whole life. I've been raised in Sunday school. I've heard all the stories. Uh, I, I, I... But if you could just do something right in this moment, and Jesus kind of says, if I can, if you can, what do you mean if you can? What are you talking about? What kind of nonsense is this if if you can? And then he says something very powerful. He says, everything in verse 23 is possible for the one who believes. So the father of the boy cried out. So here he is. You, You can... Feel the intensity of this father who's been for years and years taking care of his demon-possessed son, trying to keep him alive. Would you have compassion on us? Would you help us? Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I, these words are the ones that have sat heavy on me for the last couple weeks. Because as we look around us, I think there are many Christians. So, that, so I know I'm talking to many today. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to um, people who are kind of trying to figure out Jesus. Like, is, is Christianity something I want to look at? Is Jesus somebody I want to look at? Is Jesus who he says he is? Um, I'm talking to people who may be agnostic or or maybe even atheists, you say there's no God. But I think deep down within each of us, we look around and we say, there's got to be a God. I know, I believe. And, and for, especially for those who grew up in church, this phrase should ring true with you when he says, I do believe. I know who you are. I've seen you work. I know what's go- I know what you can do. But help my unbelief. There there are areas I'm struggling in. There are areas I'm doubting in. That my relationship with you has become complicated. Look, um, my mother would tell you this. My brother and sister would tell tell you all about when my parents got divorced. And how it has... It changed my mom's life drastically. It changed our lives drastically. And I can tell you that in my own marriage, Satan would whisper in my ear, you're going to foul this up. This is all you know. This is all you've seen. You're going to mess this up. Um, 
And so there's little pieces of doubt that squeeze in about whether I can be the right husband or the right father. There, maybe for you, you've been looking for healing and it just hasn't come yet. Maybe, um, I don't know. Maybe you're wondering why the things happen in this world that happen in this world. You believe, I know there's got to be a God, but listen, I need help with my unbelief. And so the story goes on here that the crowd kind of begins to swell. I mean, this is kind of stirred a commotion. And um, Jesus knows that um, this story kind of begins. It's a faith story. This is about faith. And then he begins over the next few chapters, the next uh, few sections of Scripture through verse chapter 11 in Mark, where he enters Jerusalem. So Jesus is about to head to the cross to die for our sins, to pay the debt of sin that we owe, and to uh, provide for us salvation on the cross and in his resurrection. But he has some lessons to teach. He needs to teach his disciples how to walk by faith and not by sight as 1 Corinthians say, that uh, as Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God without faith. So faith is important. But many of us today, in our relationships with God, it has become complicated, and you feel like it's complicated, and, and it may very well be. And, and when I say the phrase, I believe, help my unbelief, you're probably like, that's me. And I just want to say to you, Jesus has some answers for us here. When Jesus saw the crowd quickly gathering, he realizes his earthly ministry is almost over. He doesn't need to prove himself anymore. He rebuked the unclean spirit, commanded him out of his body, and the demon came out shrieking. The, guy, the kid continues to convulse. The, man, what a scene. I hope there's DVDs in heaven I just, or like a, like a heavenly Netflix channel just so I can watch this. This must have been wild. You, you laugh. I want that. It's on, my, it's on my prayer list. Anyway, the scene must have been nuts because when the spirit left his body, the demon left his body, it left him looking like he was dead. In fact, they said he's, he's dead. And man, here... Here we see the compassion of Jesus yet again. The scripture says, um, but Jesus in verse 27, taking him by the hand, raised him and he stood up. It goes on in 28 and 29 to say they kind of left the scene. We find this out in Matthew and Luke that they left the scene and Jesus basically says, uh, or the disciples say, because they're still embarrassed, how did this happen? How come we couldn't do that? And Jesus needs to teach them something. Because in, in, in soon, they had lived their whole ministry, um, their whole ministry life, watching him, doing it by sight. But he knew the cross was coming. He knew the ascension was coming, that he was leaving. And they needed to learn how to walk by faith. And so he says to them here in Mark 29, he says, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer, relationship, communication with God. He even goes on to talk about the mustard seed faith. 
and not how you need more and more faith. That's not the, that's not the point because anybody, the, the mustard seed is the smallest seed there is. You can't get smaller. And that faith that we have was given to us by Jesus. So what Jesus is saying is that, listen, you have the faith you need. But I am willing to meet you where you are. Look, and grab your hand and help you stand up. I, I, I just see his compassion. And, and today, I guess my heart in telling you this story is that all things are possible. I, I don't know what you're facing. I, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those TV prophesying preachers. I'm not getting any divine revelation from the Lord right now outside of what his scripture is revealing to me. And that is this. Two, two verses that I'll leave you with and then we'll pray. In verse 23, two keys to this. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And then in verse 24, I do believe, help my unbelief. You see, when Jesus was talking about that mustard seed faith, he wasn't talking about a quantity you need. He was actually pointing back to this father's faith. Intermixed with doubt, intermixed with stress, intermixed with, can he really do it? And if you find yourself in that place today where you say, look, pastor, yeah, okay, I do believe. Can he help my unbelief in, in, in what I would, what scripture would tell you today? Is that he can help you with your unbelief. He's not scared by it. He's not put off by it. He doesn't make you less of a Christian. He loves you. He cares for you. Let's go to him now. Father, thank you for your presence here in your word to change and make us new, to transform us from the inside out. And for those who would like to know you today for the very first time, maybe they've never trusted you as their savior. God, would you uh, right now, through your Holy Spirit, have them pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I Know that you came and you died to forgive me of my sins and to pave a way for me to heaven, to give me salvation that I could not earn on my own. I make you Lord of my life. I give my life to you that you would have complete control. Forgive me of my sins in Jesus' name. And for those today who are struggling with unbelief, whose relationships with you maybe have been complicated in the past and maybe they feel the same things the disciples felt or feel the same things this father felt or maybe even this young boy. Lord, let them know that you are very near to them today, that you have not abandoned them and that um, anything is possible for those who believe. Not a perfect faith, not a perfect belief, but just a belief in the one who can. We trust you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.